Today, Rinpoche explained how leaving anything out of the path, method or wisdom, will not allow you to become a Buddha, and then began to give the explanation of the actual process of learning the precepts. Okay, so welcome everyone to the Chen Rezig Tibetan Buddhist Center. Uh, once again, we're looking at Lama Tsongkhapa's great treatise on the stage of the path to enlightenment, and specifically the section on training the mind in the stage of the path for beings of great capacity. And within that section where uh, when we look at the outline of that given section, there are three categories, and we've now uh, arrived at the third category. So I'm just, uh, let me get you to the um, page 85 in the English. Um, let's go. <laughs> So, uh, the third <coughs> category, which is called How to Learn the Bodhisattva Deeds After Developing the Spirit of Enlightenment, has three categories. Uh, the first category is the reason why you must learn the trainings after uh, developing the Spirit of Enlightenment. The second category is demonstrating that you will not become a Buddha by learning either method or wisdom separately. And third, explanation of the process uh, of learning the precepts. Uh, so these are the three categories. Um, and just again, uh, when we look at the Tibetan, um, it doesn't actually um, say spirit of enlightenment. It says mind generation. Um, so that requires a teacher, uh, as a translator's note, to explain. They've then translated it into spirit of enlightenment, but the Tibetan only says mind generation, and there's different kinds of mind generation. So it's just a note, um, and I don't want to make it confusing and read it that way, so I'm, I'm starting to see where the lexicon needs to expand, and I'm not sure what to do in those cases. So in those cases, I'm going to make a note, and then people can you know, use that for further uh, study. That's <laughs> And Jeepa Chembi or Techen? 
Okay, so uh, now we're moving then to the first category, uh, which is the reason why you must learn the trainings after developing the spirit of enlightenment. Jayan Sheba states that there are three categories, uh, so uh, we'll begin here with the first category. Uh, it is indeed the case that great benefit comes from mere development of the aspirational spirit of enlightenment without learning the trainings of generosity and so forth. Consider in this regard the passage from the life of Maitreya cited earlier. However, you still have to practice the Bodhisattva trainings. If you do not emphasize this practice, you will never become a Buddha. So learn the Bodhisattva deeds. Thus, the foremost of Gaia says, Enlightenment is for great Bodhisattvas who take practice to heart and not for those who take a wrong practice to heart. Um, uh, or... Um, or also who take this to be the essential practice and, and not for those who take uh, a wrong practice to be an essential practice or to uh, uh, use a wrong practice as an essential practice. Uh, so that's from the foremost of Gaia. And the King of Concentration Sutra also says, Therefore, take practice to heart. Why, O Prince? Uh, because when you take practice to heart, perfect enlightenment, uh, is not hard to attain. Uh, so uh, then practice means the method of achieving Buddhahood, i.e. learning the Bodhisattva trainings. Uh, so this is all contained within the first category uh, according to Jayan Sheba. So it says enlightenment is for great Bodhisattvas. So what kind of enlightenment is being spoken of here? Uh, it's specifically speaking of the enlightenment for beings of great capacity or the great vehicle enlightenment. Um, so this is the enlightenment, which is the Buddhas of the Buddha. Um, so here, and as a translator's note, enlightenment, we normally just assume is Buddhahood, but enlightenment is also, that word is used in the Hinayana vehicle uh, and so forth. So it's not exclusive and it doesn't mean Buddhahood necessarily. Um, so Rinpoche, that's why he indicated that it is a great vehicle enlightenment. Um, uh, so for great bodhisattvas who take this uh, as the essential practice, um, um, so here, uh, and it says, therefore, take uh, practice to heart, um, or take this practice as the essence. Or, why, O oh Prince? Because when you take the practice to heart or as the essence, perfect enlightenment is not hard to attain. Um, so here it's specified, perfect enlightenment. Uh, so then that specifically means that that is connected to that of Buddhahood. Um, and that then perfect word is being used there. Um, because there has been a perfection of certain behaviors, and then the six perfections are what is being spoken of 
here when it says that practice. What is that practice? That's that practice is the practice of the, the six perfections. So it says so so before it, it says if you do not emphasize this practice, you will never become a Buddha. So learn the bodhisattva deeds. Uh, so what are those? And then the answer is posit the bodhisattva deeds. The bodhisattva deeds are the six perfections and so forth. So uh, that's the category uh, number one uh, according to Jayan Sheba. Okay. 
them to explain the methods and their results when these remain hidden to them. So this is a quote from the second chapter of uh, Dharmakirti's commentary on the Compendium of Valid Cognition. So looking at the word, the compassionate. Uh, the compassionate is a word that is one meaning with bodhisattva. Um, so uh, I asked Rinpoche, he said that um, it's a word for bodhisattva, and then I asked if it's synonymous with bodhisattva, and he said, yes, it is. Um, so this is a word when we see the compassionate. It's referring to bodhisattvas. Uh, work at actualizing the methods. It's hard for them to explain the methods and their results when these remain hidden to them. Uh, so the methods uh, here, this is referring to the Four Noble Truths and the uh, explanation of the cause and effect relationships that are found uh, within the Four Noble Truths and the methods to uh, the uh, results that we find in their relationships within the Four Noble Truths. So uh, we find that when we're looking at suffering, the method to get to suffering is the origin of suffering. Uh, so here, uh, in order to destroy suffering, um, the compassionate work at actualizing the method. So the cause of suffering is the origin of suffering. So the method to achieve suffering is the, is, uh, um, the cause or the origin of suffering, that second noble truth. So the four noble truths, the the superior truth of suffering, superior truth of origin, the superior truth of cessation, and the superior truth of path. So these are the four noble truths. So these are the first two noble truths, the truth of suffering and the truth of origin. Uh, so the next two relationships are the relationship between the truth of cessation uh, and the truth of path. By actualizing the method of the truth of path, one is able to achieve a cessation. Um, so here, the method that um, uh, is necessary is the truth of path. And what does that method establish? What do we get from that method? One gets a cessation of, and a cessation of what? A cessation of suffering. Um, so this is how um, uh, the, it says, uh, those who want to destroy suffering, and it's saying the compassionate. Um, so it's not only referring to just those who want to destroy suffering, it's saying bodhisattvas who want to destroy suffering um, have to um, engage in the Four Noble Truths, have to understand what the method to suffering is, and then have to understand what the, the method to cessation is. Um, it says it's hard for them to explain the methods and their results when these remain hidden to them. So the bodhisattvas work for others. So that's why it's, they would want to um, um, explain these methods uh, because it's their, the bodhisattvas work for others. Uh, and then it goes on to say, those by, uh, so then Lama Tsongkhapa gives an explanation then of these two sections that are two quotes, the quote from the stages of meditation uh, and the, and, uh, by Kamala Shila and then Dharmakirti's commentary on the compendium of valid cognition where he says, those who have great compassion for others feel the need to relieve others' suffering. Um, so here it's saying that a bodhisattva um, feels the need to, to get rid of other people's suffering, but they have to first know how their own is created and how to get rid of their own in order to establish that for others. So to relieve it, the, the kind thought, uh, may they be free of their suffering, is not enough. They must engage in the methods that will bring it about. Uh, um, now, if they do not first engage in those methods themselves, 
they will be unable to free others. Um, so uh, it's saying that just saying may they be uh, free of their suffering uh, isn't enough. One has to establish what, how one's own suffering uh, is established and how one's own uh, um, destruction of suffering is established. And by recognizing and understanding those things and by practicing those methods themselves, they can then lead others to do so. They want to because the bodhisattva's aim is to work for others' sake. Um, so uh, this is how that all um, is explained. And um, uh, so if any um, uh, of, of this is missing, um, so uh, if, if any of uh, the six perfections or... Um, any of these uh, practices uh, are missing, uh, then one will not be able uh, to become a Buddha. Um, so it says, without practice, they will not attain enlightenment. Um, uh, and uh, so there isn't anything that can be missing. Um, so here we're speaking of the six perfections being necessary, and then also speaking of the Four Noble Truths as being indispensable. So it's showing that the Bodhisattva needs all of these things together, six perfections, four noble truths, all together uh, as concomitants, if you will, in order to establish Buddhahood, and then also in order to establish others' uh, freedom from suffering. Uh, so that is... So now we move on to the third category. So now we move on uh, to number three. Um, uh, therefore, if you want to work for others' welfare, you must first discipline yourself. In reference to this, the King of Concentration Sutra says that you should take practice to heart. Uh, or uh, take the essential, practice the essentials or the essence. Practice is said to be learning the training and the precepts associated with the bodhisattva vows after you have taken them. Therefore, it is very important that you are not mistaken about just what is entailed in taking practice to heart. Uh, so that's um, category number three. <laughs> 
this gives rise later to a specific result. Um, and the specific result here is said to be the form body of the Buddha. So the form body categorically is the enjoyment body, the lonku, uh, and the emanation body, the tuku. Uh, so these are the two bodies that are said to be created by uh, method. Um, so um, so it, it says uh, l the, pa the paths of method and wisdom, um, the two bodies arise. So here, the path of method is giving rise to the body, which is the form body. Now, as a translator's note, form body has more than one category, but when the, the quote says the two bodies, uh, it's just referring to form and dharmakaya, um, so, uh, or truth body. Uh, so from, from the method side, we find the, the arisal of the form body. And from the wisdom side, so the wisdom realizing emptiness um, gives rise to a specific result of Buddhahood as well. And this is the truth body. So when we look at the, the two collections, these are, are related as well. Um, the collection of exalted merit um, is necessary, and that creates the form body uh, of the Buddha. And the collection of exalted wisdom creates the truth body of the Buddha. Um, so uh, um, we need these two collections in order to become a Buddha, and the collections themselves create different aspects of the Buddha, and those aspects are as just explained. So it's similar to, it's said, uh, when you put your two hands uh, and you press them down into the sand, um, it leaves an imprint. So, and similarly, similarly uh, these practices leave a later impression, and that impression is the form body uh, when coming from the ex collection of, of merit or method, uh, and the, tr the truth body that comes from the collection of exalted wisdom. wisdom. So, um, and, and those all make up the Buddha. Um, so, um, this is uh, how the Buddha is, is created in dependence upon uh, those um, met those practices of, of method and wisdom. Um, so, and, and then the two truths are uh, uh, ultimate truth and conventional truth. Um, so that's the, the first part of the statements uh, from the four, the two truths and the path of method and wisdom. So the four, uh, the two truths are referring to ultimate and conventional truth. And uh, I'll probably have the exact quote somewhere here. Maybe it's a little more fluid, but it's, that's the literal translation of the words. Rimache, chu becha losa? Nyomare. Okay. Okay, so then now we, I just didn't know if he had read any of the Tibetan. I didn't think he had. So now we're going to begin and go into the um, body of the text. Sanji Sanji Dubi Tala Juba 
Okay, so uh, this is the first among the three categories. So Rinpoche just recapped that we have uh, um, three main categories in the body of the text. The reason why you must learn the trainings after developing the spirit of enlightenment, demonstrating that you will not become a Buddha by learning either method or wisdom separately, and explanation of the process of learning the precepts. First category has three categories we've just completed. Uh, the next category, which is the second category, uh, has three categories, and then we'll read um, up to where the first category ends. Um, so, demonstrating that you will not become a Buddha by learning either method or wisdom separately is the major heading. First category, it is not enough just to want to attain Buddhahood. You must engage in the method of achieving it. This, this method has to be unmistaken because no matter how much you strive on a mistaken path, you will not obtain the result, like milking a horn in the hope of getting milk. Um, so here, if uh, you don't engage in a method that will actually work, it won't... If you don't engage in a method that will actually worth, work, you won't... Let me just try this again. Let me just back that up. Okay, so if you engage in a method, <clears throat> it has to be unmistaken. If it, is, if it is mistaken in any way, it won't lead you to the result that is desired. Um, so, and here there's an example given of trying to get milk from the ho a horn. Um, the uh, method is mistaken because you can't get milk from a horn. Um, so 
That's the meaning here. If your method is mistaken to achieve Buddhahood, you won't achieve Buddhahood because you aren't doing what's necessary to achieve Buddhahood. Um, uh, it is not enough just to want to attain Buddhahood. You must gain, engage in the method uh, of achieving it. This method has to be unmistaken because no matter how much you strive on a mistaken path, you will not obtain the result. Rinpoche gave the example of if you want to go to New York City, you have to drive on the road which leads you to New York City. A different road that leads somewhere else won't bring you to your destination of New York City. Likewise, if you wish to become enlightened, you have to engage in unmistaken paths, correct paths, in order to correct paths that lead you to that goal. Just like the example of an incorrect path to New York City won't allow you to arrive at New York City. An incorrect path to Buddhahood will not allow you to arrive at Buddhahood. And then the uh, in absurdum is, is uh, expressed like milking a horn in the hope of, of, of getting milk. Um, so um, it's not possible to get milk from a horn. Uh, so it would be like uh, engaging in, in, in a mistaken path and thinking that you'll be enlightened would be like milking a horn and thinking you'll get some milk out of it. Dig some, Rinpoche. Less so. Monodu Okay. So the second category uh, is as follows. Even if the method is unmistaken, if, you, if it is not complete in all particulars, striving will not bring the result, just as the absence of a seed, water, earth, or the like will preclude the production of a sprout. Um, so just as the absence of any among those things is, um, uh, so, um, will, pr will preclude the production of a sprout. Um, so it just it reads that if, if any among those things are missing. Thus the second stages of meditation says, if you earnestly strive at a mistaken cause, even a tremendous amount of time will not bring you the desired result like milking a horn. So the example given above. A result does not come from an incomplete causal complex, just as an effect like the production of a sprout does not happen when something like a seed is missing. Therefore, someone who wants the result must depend upon an unmistaken, complete set of causes and conditions. Uh, so that ends uh, number two.
Tambo the ra the uma the ten yomare. Tambo the nipa. Lama no saint John. Chamasana, Bejan, the woman you there, Sabin to Chutan, Lula Subacan Rushi Masana, the woman you are Jeno Tena, Gorin Papa Les, Juma Noel and Nadesena, you're the Miss Shiki Jang, the Tuba Mede, Rala Momatan by Jeno's. Jutada Okay. Okay. Um, so, what? Uh, I just have to go back as far as the categories go. Um, uh, the stages of meditation quotation is broken up into categories um, according to the Jayan Sheba. So I'll just quickly go through it. The first category ends at uh, like milking a horn in the hope of getting milk. Um, so that's where the first category ends. The second category is going to be, even if the method is unmistaken, if it is not complete in all particulars, striving will not bring the result, just as the absence of a seed, water, earth, or the like will preclude the production of a sprout. Thus the second stage of meditation says, if you earnestly strive at a mistaken cause, even a tremendous amount of time will not bring you the desired result, like milking a, a horn. And then three begins, a result does not come from an incomplete causal complex. Um, so this is the third uh, point, um, uh, according to um, the commentary, uh, that just as an effect like the production of a sprout does not happen when it is missing something like, like a seed is missing. Therefore, someone who wants the result must depend on an unmistaken, complete set of causes and conditions. Um, and then, okay, then a the sumbatsar, then a that's no what's had you that's that you said you so well, Hen Marbe. Then a Sentin is your love to the song. Sentin is your love with Jesen Song Saji. Taji the Royal Lobby, Sanji Maduva never song the Saji. Tal Hobal Ruby, Rebadin Shebas, Sumba Hobal Ruby, Rebadin Shebadilla, and what did it? Hobbler who be in Bajin Shiba de la 
So the the now so that completes the third um, category of the second category, and now we get into the third category um, explanation of the process of learning the precepts. And Jamin Sheba says that um, there's the actual and then individual explanations. Um, so we begin with what is the actual, then Okay, so there's no categories of actual um, and individual. Um, so I, I'm not sure, but as a note, I think we get to the where you would find it um, in the individual. Um, you know what I mean? Um, where you would read three. Um, but uh, we'll just have to see as we go forward. So this is all going to be under the actual. Um, so... What then is the unmistaken, complete set of causes and conditions? Um, Vairakana's great enlightenment discourse. Um, uh, so uh, this is a tantric text. It says, Lord of Secrets, uh, this is to Vajrapani, the sublime wisdom of omniscience comes from compassion as its root, it comes from the spirit of enlightenment as its cause. It is brought to completion uh, by method. So in regard to this, I have uh, already explained compassion. The great trailblazer Kamala Shila explains that the spirit of en uh, enlightenment is both the conventional and ultimate spirits of enlightenment, and that method is all virtues uh, such as generosity and so forth. So we find in Kamala Shila's stages of meditation where it talks about um, compassion um, and and so forth, and how omniscience is brought uh, about. Um, so uh, it says, 
had it tabbed off. Sorry. Having entered into this practice, you will certainly complete the collection of merit and insight. Accomplishing the accumulation of merit and insight is like having omniscience itself in the palm of your hand. Therefore, since compassion is the only root of omniscience, you should become familiar with this uh, practice at, at the very beginning. Um, so uh, we find that um, going back that um, from compassion as its root. Uh, so sublime, uh, if one wishes to have the wisdom that cognizes all phenomena, so that's the omniscience of the Buddha, um, it's necessary to engage in the various causes that will bring that about. Um, so it, it comes, a, this has at as its root according to Kamala Shila and according to the Tantric text, Vairakana's great enlightenment discourse, uh, by having uh, this root of compassion and then the spirit of enlightenment is brought about by this compassion and becomes the actual cause of it uh, and from the method side. Um, so we know that it's necessary to have method and wisdom. So when we say, what is method? The six perfection, uh, the uh, non-wisdom uh, perfections of the the Rimche, the Cheran, the Tap, the Shintru, Yine, the Sherab, the Shintru. Tot, I Shintru to the Marbe Roa. Sherab don't need to be Sherab Roa. Shinji is all the Shunga, Shanju sent Julie Shunga, Taji Paruti, you know, Taji Shintru is Shintru. Lesser. Shinji Shem Julie, Shanju to the Sanji, Sanji Baton Shanji to Mare, Shintru Lowers, Jimba Sutin, Zobatun to Sunday Shira. で、で、新中、タップダウンシェラップ。タップ。タップ。コナ。新中、タップダウン、新中のシェラタイズ。シェラタイズ。シェラタイズ。シェラタイズ。シェラタイズ。シェラタイズ。シェラタイズ。シェ
Um, but if we look at the category just called the six perfections, if we say, what is it? It's called, it's method, Rinpoche said. And then I said, but isn't there wisdom in the six perfections? And he said that the, yes, um, and then explained that, um, that this, this differentiates it. Um, so Rinpoche said that then the Chapagar, the Yanja, the, the Kali Kali Shadow是我们的人生的人生的人生的人生的人生的人生的人生的人生的人生的人生的人生的人生的人生的人生的人生的人生的人生的人生的人生的人生的人生的人生的人生的人生的人生的人生的人生的人生的人生的人生的人生
it shows that um, that which is not, that which is virtuous, that which is a perfection in virtuous that is not a perf uh, perfection of wisdom is necessarily uh, method. Um, so um, that's what this establishes here. Um, apart from the perfection of wisdom, all virtuous practices, such as the perfection of giving, are described as uh, the skillful means by the victorious ones. Uh, uh, so we'll take a short break and we'll be right back. Satisfied with that? Definitely. Certainly. Definitely. Certainly. It's true. That's the same thing that you told us. So, you know, same thing that you told us. You think, tell us on Saji. Tajiroas <laughs> And <laughs> Sinjin Hijimasung then Senchen, the Nemayemba, the Nemayemba, Senchen. Senchen, the Nemayemba, the Nemayemba, 
Chula Bibinjabo, Mimela Bibinjabo, Sunyu, Sunjabo, Ena Sun, Sinjola Mimijabo, Miba Sinjan Tantil Mimijabo, Imbala, Matabu to be Sheraton, Tony to be Shera to Truma Jibi, Tinjabo there, Sinjan Tala Mimijabo. Okay, that's so. Tanda Kajis and Tony to be Shero Gamazin, Matabu to Shero Mazin by Hizan, Sinjan Tala Mimijabo. Okay, that's so. Matabu to be Shero. So, once again, there are three categories under how to learn the Bodhisattva deeds after developing the Spirit of Enlightenment. The reason why you must learn the trainings after developing the Spirit of Enlightenment demonstrating that you will not become a Buddha by learning either method or wisdom separately, an explanation of the process of learning the precepts. Uh, so we've gone through the first two categories. They each have three categories. Uh, now we move on to category number three, where there are merely two categories without divisions. First is actual, and then the second are the individuals. Uh, so these are the different categories that we will see. Uh, and uh, now we've moved on to the third category, uh, and we have uh, um, to, to um, go over, uh, it says, um, what then is an unmistaken and complete set of causes and conditions? Vairakana's great enlightenment discourse. Lord of secrets, the sublime wisdom of omniscience comes from compassion as its root. Uh, it comes from the spirit of enlightenment as its cause. It's brought to completion by method. So what, when we look at great compassion, uh, there are different categories. There are three categories of great compassion. Uh, compassion uh, uh, focused on sentient beings, compassion focused on phenomena, uh, and compassion focused on the observationless, or that which has non-observation. Uh, so these are the three categories uh, of compassion. Um, and compassion uh, is... Uh, um, the Ninji Chempel at Seni Yanjar Surinam? Maybe I should not tell me that. Nobody to get the tendency to see nobody is so on his and be saying yes. That's so. What the woman of Hajin to do to the water in the year, he can be saying. The Ninji, the Sewe year, it's any year. So the definition of great compassion is a compassion that. A compassion that has as its object of observation all sentient beings and wishes that they be free from suffering. Uh, so this is uh, the definition of, of great compassion. Um, it's a, uh, a thought that, wish, that has as its object of observation all sentient beings and wishes that all those sentient beings be free from suffering. Uh, so this is the definition of great compassion. Um, so what are the differences in compassions of this ob um, that focus on sentient beings, focus on phenomena, and focus on um, the observationless? So uh, a, a compassion which has as its observation sentient beings uh, and wishing them to be free from suffering and its causes um, that doesn't have as its focus their impermanence, or their emptiness is the comp great compassion which focuses on sentient beings. The great compassion which focuses on phenomena 
is the great compassion that wishes sentient beings be free from suffering and the causes of suffering and also understands or recognizes their impermanence. Um, so the understanding of impermanence is also within that, the, their impermanence. Um, and then the third category is the observationless, and this is the, all, all of those sentient beings' emptiness. Um, so uh, the lack of true establishment or emptiness of those sentient beings. Uh, so this is the, uh, how we break uh, down these three types of compassion, um, and great compassion has its fo as its focus the object, all sentient beings, uh, and the wish that they be free from suffering and the causes of suffering. Deeksang Rinpoche. Okay, so I, when we look at the subject called mind generation, uh, there are two categories um, uh, in this particular example. Uh, and again, spirit of enlightenment, uh, when I say mind generation, in this case, it's inferred that it's great vehicle mind, mind generation. So when I use this word mind generation in, in regards to these things, it's necessarily that of the, the bodhisattva. Um, so uh, there is ultimate mind generation, and then there is conventional mind generation. Um, all great vehicle mind generation, if it is a great vehicle mind generation, it is necessarily conventional mind generation. Um, ultimate mind generation isn't mind generation. It's merely named as such. It's given a nominal designation as mind generation, um, but it's not mind generation. Um, and what, so what is that? Uh, what does that mean? Uh, it's the bodhicitta or the mind generation that abides while one is directly experiencing emptiness. Um, so while there is a direct perception of emptiness at the path of seeing, meditation, no more learning, the bodhicitta that that being has at that time is called only during the direct valid cognition of emptiness, the non-conceptual cognition of emptiness, only during that time, the person that has the, the mind generation is a holder of ultimate mind generation. Um, but it's not actually mind generation, um, just as a translator's note, because mind generation has to be um, something conceptual, thought about, concept, um, when we're looking at thinking of sentient beings uh, and wishing they be free from suffering. You're cognizing emptiness. There's no conception whatsoever but you're still a bodhisattva. 
So that's the mind generation. It's just saying that that state that's there while you're seeing emptiness is bodhicitta, you know, because it, it, it is before and after. Um, uh, so we're calling it that, um, but it's what, what goes on when, with bodhicitta, this idea that sentient beings be free from suffering and, so, and uh, becoming a Buddha for the sake of sentient beings, that is the Buddha mind, bodhicitta, isn't going on while one is cognizing emptiness, um, so there's no conceptuality. So that's why uh, it's got a different name than this active and mental engagement that's going on at other times. Uh, so I, uh, I wanted to make sure that was explained clearly, so I used a couple extra words but didn't move anywhere from Rinpoche's meaning whatsoever. So if it is a great vehicle mind generation, it is necessarily uh, um, conventional mind generation. That ultimate mind generation isn't mind generation, it's just called that, um, but there's no generation of mind taking place of that thought. Um, um, uh, so that's what's mean, uh, just as another note, mind generation is its mind is generating this thought constantly. Um, so that's why if it's, it's constantly developing this thought, uh, if there's no conception going on, it can't be doing that, and that's what qualifies it as mind generation, that it's doing generating. Somebody's <laughs> Lobatututa Tell Quale Jimbatan, <laughs> 
Okay, so let me just uh, read through. What then is the unmistaken and complete cause and conditions? Vairakana's great enlightenment discourse uh, says, Lord of secrets, the sublime wisdom of omniscience comes from compassion as its root. It comes from the spirit of enlightenment as its cause. It's brought to completion by method. In regard to this, I have already explained compassion. Great trailblazer Kamala Sheila explains that the spirit of enlightenment is both the conventional and ultimate spirits of enlightenment, and that method is all virtues such as generosity and so forth. Uh, so now we get into a debate, a uh, mistaken position and a correction. So we have uh, an opponent and then uh, and a response to uh, the opponent. Um, so uh, Tibet, when uh, was the initially, when Dharma was coming into Tibet, uh, the king invited Shandarashita uh, to bring the Nalanda style of learning uh, to Tibet um, and, and begin to... Um, bring the Buddhist doctrine over there. Um, and at th this time, uh, they created Saik Monastery. And Saik Monastery was divided into four uh, different monasteries. Uh, it was the Hashan uh, Monastery, um, and this was solely for meditation. Um, it was uh, the Chinese practitioners, the Chinese abbot sometimes ref is referred to, Hashan is referred to as the Chinese abbot, um, and they solely 
focused on meditation. So this was one of them, uh, the Hashan uh, Monastery. Then there's uh, Nanda Tsuchinling. Uh, this is the monastery where Shandarashita um, 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 and the other monks and so forth engaged in their studies and teachings. Um, so this was uh, Nanda Tsuchinling. And then uh, Daju Lupunling. Uh, is where <coughs> the project <coughs> translate all of the texts from Pali and Sanskrit into <coughs> place. Uh, so all of the texts that we see here in the Kangjur and the Tanjur were translated and being translated by this particular um, monastery within Sanyik Monastery, um, Draju Lopunling. Uh, so this is where the translators um, all lived and translated all of these great works uh, together, and, and now we have these texts as a result of that. And then the other is Dudungapa uh, Ling, and this is uh, Padmasambhava's um, monastery, uh, and this is the Tantric Monastery. This is for practitioners who were not ordained. They wore a white robe, um, and this was the, the tantrics, the ngapas. Sometimes you hear the ngapa lineage. Um, and uh, ngapa, it just means tantric practitioner, really. Um, so the, the, this monastery was for non-ordained tantric practitioners established by Padmasambhava, and they wore the white, white robe. So these were the four um, different um, parts to uh, Tsaiik Monastery, and because of these four parts, uh, we now have been have established what we have here today in terms of literature, translation of literature, um, and um, uh, scholastic analysis. Uh, so uh, the Ewa Nigare Rimche, the Sache Ewa. Oh, oh, they do true, true. Uh, so there are these two categories, the opponent's position and then their response. So there's a debate. So there's a mis mistaken view that's going to be presented by an opponent and then a negation of the mistaken view uh, that will occur. So now we're still under the category of the actual um, explanation of the process learning the precepts. Uh, so it says, some persons like the Chinese Hashang have, who have a mistaken idea about the path of the two types of spirit of enlightenment say that any thought, non-virtuous thoughts of course, but even virtuous ones, bind us to cyclic existence. So its results do not transcend cyclic existence. It is like being tied up with a golden rope or with an ordinary rope, like white or dark clouds. Uh, I'm sorry. It is like being tied up with a golden rope or with an ordinary rope, like white or dark clouds covering the sky, or like the pain from being bitten by a white or a black dog. Therefore, just setting your mind in a state that lacks any thought is the path to future... Uh, Therefore, just setting your mind in a state that lacks any thought is the path to future Buddhahood. Such virtues as generosity and ethical discipline are taught for foolish people incapable of such meditation on the definitive, parentheses, emptiness. To engage in those deeds after you have found the definitive would be like a king descending to a common status or like finding an elephant and then searching for its footprints. 
Hashang attempts to prove this position by citing from sutras 80 passages which extol this state of mind that lacks any thought. Um, so Kamala Shila was a great scholar. Uh, he was able to cite scriptures and passages, and he was very learned. Um, so it wasn't that his views were easy to negate and easy to overcome. Okay. When we divide uh, Chinese Buddhism into categories, uh, we can divide it into two, the concentrators and the followers of, of Pure Land Buddhism or Pure Land Dharma. Um, so uh, the concentration lineage or the, the concentrators it's been translated a lot of different, the, the thinkers, it's been translated a lot of different ways, but it's really the concentration is the word that you really see there, concentration. Um, so those who engage in concentration uh, would be connected to this master Hashan. Uh, and then the pure land practitioners engage in the mantra of Amitabha, uh, and by, by um, reciting the mantra of Amitabha, is believed that one is then born into a pure land. Uh, so that's why it's called Pure Land Buddhism. Uh, so these are the two categories of Chinese Buddhism and the Hashan style we find in the concentration uh, type. <coughs> Meditators, so Hashan believed that all one needed to do was meditate. There was no need for anything else but meditation. Never <laughs> So the Chinese abbot uh, had this belief that any kind of thought, um, whether it was positive thought or it was negative thought, was necessarily negative. Um, so it was necessarily a hindrance to enlightenment um, uh, in that there was this emptying that one was, was trying to engage in. This emptying of these thoughts altogether was what was, was believed to be the practice. 
Um, and then the idea, many examples uh, were given in here of what Hashan stated um, and, and used as his own examples to prove this idea that conceptual thoughts, no matter what, positive or negative, were hindrances um, and, and used this idea that a gold rope or a, a regular white rope would tie you up just the same uh, and a a cloud, whether it's white or, or dark, still covers the sun. And if a dog bites you, if it's white or if it's black, you still have gotten bitten. Um, so uh, all of these ideas uh, were set forth as negations to the idea that conceptual thought could somehow lead to um, a purpose or lead to uh, the goal of enlightenment. Um, so this is the wrong idea. Again, all these ideas I'm presenting now are the wrong idea that were presented by the Chinese abbot Hashan to prove that conceptual thought uh, <coughs> was a hindrance no matter what. Nedu Chu 
Um, so the position of Hashan, some persons like Chinese Hashan have a mistaken idea about the path of the two t uh, types of spirit of enlightenment. Say that any thought, uh, non-virtuous thoughts, of course, but even virtuous ones, binds us to cyclic existence. So its results do not transcend cyclic existence. So this idea is from Hashan is that the conceptuality of all sorts, virtuous or non-virtuous, all leads to cyclic existence. So um, you can't abandon cyclic existence if there is conceptuality, because that is what leads to cyclic existence. So um, uh, it is like being tied up by a golden rope or with an ordinary rope. Uh, like white or dark clouds covering the sky, it is like the pain from being bitten uh, by a black or a white dog. So uh, you're still going to um, um, have pain. Rinpoche said you'll still have an illness um, uh, if you get bit by a white dog or if you get bit by a black dog. Um, so uh, just as a note, in Tibetan they call it, like if you have a, a cut, they'll call it a, an illness sometimes. Um, that's how I have to translate it, but it really just means like a, a cut or, you know. Um, so, uh, it, so we're bound to cyclic existence by this. So if one uh, um, has a sickness or a pain from being bit, it doesn't matter what color the dog is. Uh, so Hashan said that conceptuality is just the same. It doesn't matter what form it comes in. When it comes, it is what leads us to uh, more cyclic existence. Um, uh, therefore, just setting your mind uh, uh, in a state that lacks any thought is the path to future Buddhahood. So this emptying of all thoughts uh, and all conceptuality is what would then somehow uh, lead one to that state of Buddhahood. Um, uh, um, therefore, just setting your mind in a state that lacks any thought is the path for future Buddhahood. Such virtues as generosity and ethical discipline are taught for foolish people incapable of such meditation on definitive emptiness. So they were taught for the beginners that weren't ready for what the actual things were, the actual practices were. Um, so that's the reason that it's stated that these other things were, te were taught. To engage in those deeds after you have found the definitive would be like, uh, um, it would be almost like um, um, going backwards, saying that once you know about what emptiness means, going back to conceptuality at all is going backwards. Um, like a king descending to a common status or like finding an elephant and then searching for its friends. Hashan attempts to prove this position by quoting from sutras, 80 passages, which they stole the state that lacks any thought. Disa, Rimche. Lesser. <laughs> 
Um, so um, at this time in history, Hashang uh, be- was became very uh, many follow- had many followers, um, and it was because he was a great scholar and that he cited many scriptures in order to prove his points. And he cited here it gives the eighty passages, uh, which he used eighty different passages to prove his point. So um, Shana Rashita um, knew um, that this was something that was going to have to be clarified and that the Tibetans weren't going to be able to do anything about it. That Because of his scholastic aptitude, there wasn't anyone there that was going to be able to negate these false views um, that were, um, were being projected or were being uh, spoken. So it was stated that it was necessary to invite Kamalashila uh, to Tibet to clarify and to debate Hashang uh, to make sure that these views didn't go any, any more forward because they knew what he was saying was incorrect, but they couldn't d- negate his logic um, because there was nobody there that was qualified, as qualified re- in relation to scripture as he was. So Kamala Shila was invited and the beginning stages of meditation, middle stages and final stages of meditation were are all of those texts that we we know of were written as a response to Hashan. Um, so the stages of meditation in the beginning, middle, and end, or small, medium, and great, however you translate it, are were all written as a response to Hashan. Um, so uh, this is uh, what the significance of the the Gomrim, the stages of meditation text is: is that it, it's always written in response to this wrong view that was being propagated or being um, pushed forward by uh, Master Hashan. Then Form doesn't exist. Things don't exist. So his stance was this non-existence. So this idea that emptying everything because these things don't exist. Um, so he said that form doesn't exist. So the way that you counteract that is that 
Yes, form does, ex does exist. It does exist because it's apprehended by an eye consciousness that can establish its existence by valid cognition. Um, so one can had to utilize uh, and, you know, logic in order to negate these uh, false ideas. So the idea that phenomena doesn't exist, form doesn't exist. Form does exist because you can apprehend it with an eye consciousness and establish it with valid cognition. So these were the response, some of the responses that were given. So we have uh, um, in the, the logic primer, the uh, collection, the um, collections, the introductory collections, we have all of these definitions that are put forth. It's in the first class um, that uh, you go into um, and established basis is are, uh, um, are one of the um, categories that you have within the, the first text. Just as a note, there's seven. Color, established basis, presentation of differentials, opposite from being and not from being, being in, being, not being in, generals and particulars. You know how we always go over general and particular, and then the small beginning understanding of cause and effect. So that's the first thing an eight-year-old learns uh, when they go into the, mo the monastery. Um, so, so, so when we look at all these different things, uh, we have many of uh, things that are synonymous uh, and so forth. So they break down uh, um, all of the different um, all of the different phenomenas and show uh, how anything that um, is observed by a valid cognizer is necessarily an existent. Phenomena and existent are um, mutually inclusive. Uh, the definition of phenomena is some, that which is bearing its own entity. That which is bearing its own entity is necessarily synonymous with that which is observed by a valid cognizer. Established base is also synonymous with existent, and established base is something that can be established by valid cognition. Um, so in order for it to be existent, because these are all synonymous, if it's uh, existent, it's, it's established by valid cognition, observed by a valid cognizer, and it bears its own entity because these things are all synonymous. So these are all qualifications that show uh, why we can establish something as an existent and, and establish, negate its non-existence because it's, it's, it's uh, um, apprehended by a valid cognizer. Um, because it's established by valid cognition. Uh, so these are all the introductory learnings uh, um, that are necessary to, uh, to understand this material. Uh, I, I just forgot one part. So we establish things as an existent. Christians state that God created all of these things, uh, created phenomena. Okay, didn't it? Oh, I see. So Christians establish things exist because they say God created them. We establish that things exist because we say that they're observed by a valid cognizer. What would a scientist say? Do things exist or they don't exist? How would a scientist establish this? 
So there are many questions we should ask scientists. Because scientists are scholars, are the are the mm. great scholars. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we're uh, ending there. Um, does anybody have any questions? Yes. Uh, could Hashan's uh, uh, could, could Hashan's uh, mistake be characterized as based in, in nihilism? The the Hashan Dawa Chita Yin. Chita Yin. Yes. Okay. So concluding Mandala Thank you, everyone, for coming, making this all possible. I just really rejoice in this opportunity that we have to be with Rinpoche. The fundamental ground is scented with incense and strewn with flowers, adorned with Mount Meru, the four continents, the sun and the moon. I imagine this as a Buddha land and offer it. May all sentient beings enjoy this pure realm. I dedicate whatever virtues I have collected for the benefit of the teachings and of all sentient beings, and in particular for the essential teachings. I send forth his children. I dedicate all this virtue to emulate the knowledge of the hero Manjushri, and likewise Samantabhadra as well with whatever dedication is praised as supreme by all the conquerors who traverse the three times, I also dedicate all my roots of virtue for the sake of auspicious deeds. In that pure land surrounded by snowy mountains, you are the source of all benefit and happiness. All powerful Avukateshvara, Tenzin Jatso, may you stay until samsara's end. I pray for the long life of the precious Kensar Wandok, upholder of scriptural and realizational doctrines the spiritual friend who trained extensively in the five great philosophical texts with exceptional wisdom and perseverance. Tujiram Shiguti Shapi Denona. Oh, Tujiram Shapi Denona.